0: This is the Fleet Street Fox column for Monday, April the 25th, 2022. The Tory basic instinct is always to blame a woman for being a bit too womany. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a man in possession of conservative politics must be in want of someone to blame. After the disabled have been hidden, the poor robbed, children malnourished and the asylum seekers offshored to Rwanda, the most convenient and reliable receptacle for blame of any passing sort is a woman and any woman will do. The pretty ones are too pretty, the ugly ones too ugly, the fat or thin ones too bothered or not bothered enough about their appearance. Boobs, bums, waists, clothes, shoes, hair, handbags, every part of a woman, even her accessories, can be made to take responsibility for the failures of men. The conservative men don't seem to notice this reduces them to being the sum of their genitals, a Tory Tom and Jerry cartoon with eyes out on storks and brains disengaged from the task which the woman they're blaming has a much better grasp of. This weekend, it was claimed that Boris Johnson's poor showings at the dispatch box, where he has been debagged, skewered and humbled by Keir Starmer for the whole nation to see, is the fault of the woman sat to one side, and nothing to do with the fact that Prime Minister A broke the law or B is being slowly strangled by his own alibi. It's deputy Labour leader Angela Rayner's legs at fault, specifically for being crossed and uncrossed, which anonymous Tory men say has distracted Big Dog from, uh, not being a criminal. The table between the two of them is ten foot wide and three foot high. Its sides are boxed in and it is impossible to see beneath. For Ms Rayner's legs to be visible to the front bench opposite, they'd have to double in length when she enters the Commons and she'd need to be crossing them like Kenny Everett in full drag. By blaming a woman's legs for distracting a prime minister who couldn't even see them, the Tory men have gifted Ms. Rayner immense magical powers while admitting that, in fact, they were too busy staring at her pins to pay the tiniest bit of attention to their boss. Mark their names, Boris. They're nothing but bait for a Russian honey trap. Supporters of this prime minister also blamed his wife for ambushing him with a cake and Allegra Stratton for not being able to say straight-faced that it was a work event. Perhaps Tory men are often taken by surprise on other people's birthdays or are used to coming up with reasons why they can't leave the office, especially not one that's got legs in it. Tory men previously forced Amber Rudd to resign for the Winrush scandal when 26 previous Home Secretaries, only two of them female, had created, worsened and done nothing to resolve it. And who can forget one Tory man in particular – who in 2017 told the Foreign Affairs Select Committee that Nazanin Zaghari-Ratcliffe was responsible for her own incarceration by the Iranian regime, which ended only after his female successor agreed to pay the debt that was requested in the very first week of her captivity. But wait, there's more. There's the first Tory female leader who wasn't nice enough to the men around her. There was the second female Tory leader who wasn't firm enough with the men around her, One had a frightening handbag, and the other one once wore a jacket in which her colleagues realised, live on television, she kept her breasts. And this, we're told, is the party that claims a victory for women by having two female leaders. There was Home Secretary Jackie Smith in 2007, who, after standing up to discuss the terror attack on Glasgow Airport, was criticised for doing so while owning boobs. There was Lisa Nandy in 2011, who made a point while wearing a perfectly unremarkable jacket and shirt, but which was spoken of in the same tones as Janet Jackson's nipple ring. When Nadine Dorries and Penny Mordaunt were promoted, Tory papers published publicity shots of them in swimming costumes and noted archly that it was an incredible coincidence. When Labour's Caroline Flint and the Tories' Esther McVeigh were promoted to government, thigh-flashing skirts grabbed more column inches than their actual ability to do the job. Throw in a general dislike for anything Tory men consider effeminate, like the French, transgender people, or those who work from home, and pepper it with a party-wide loathing for beautiful, opinionated, woke Meghan, and distaste for not-beautiful, opinionated, unwoke woke Angela Merkel, and you have a Venn diagram that says it all. Tory men can be relied upon to be confused about every possible permutation of the feminine. This confusion makes them angry, and the thing they get angriest about is a woman with opinions. You can't rely on them to seek peace, to see the point of child benefit, or to cough to the crime they had committed at the first opportunity and promise not to do it again. You won't see them work hard for a promotion because they assume it will be automatic, nor listen to a single mum choosing between food and warmth without telling her it's a lifestyle choice. You won't hear Tory men say Rishi Sunak got the job because he's handsome, or that Dominic Raab was promoted despite his earth-spanning stupidity because he's slim. They'll never say that Jamie Wallace wasn't really a victim of rape, that Michael Fabricant's hair is an effort to distract Labour opponents, nor that Johnson's weight battles make him unfit to be Prime Minister. Imagine if Owen Paterson was a woman whose female friends bungled party discipline in order to protect her. Imagine if the PM was a woman who couldn't stay away from parties. If a female chancellor was richer than the Queen while doing little to help the poor. Or if Matt Hancock was a married mum cheating on her husband at work. It wouldn't just be the men of the Tory press angrier at them and for longer. The Tory party would have destroyed them. But all this misogyny backfires in the end two simple reasons. First, it makes Tory men little more than infants, obsessed by breasts and lady parts and incapable of thinking in a straight line, never mind make internationally important decisions. When they talk about women, Tory men become hysterical, shrieking, illogical halfwits, as the comments below this article will no doubt prove. And secondly, it makes women stronger. It loses the argument. Next time Angela Rayner stands at the dispatch box, she'll have half the country cheering her on. Voters, male and female, Tory and otherwise, see a ruling party packed with public school whingers incapable of rule because they're too busy discussing the attractiveness of women without ever wondering how to make themselves seem more inviting to either females in general or voters in particular. The thing about the Tories' basic instincts is that they're very, very basic and they also forget the point of that film was not Sharon Stone's knickers, but that she won in the end because men are idiots. This is the Fleet Street Fox column for Friday, April 29th, 2022. What really turns Tories on is watching children starve. In an ideal world, somewhere right now, a Tory MP would be in a darkened room examining his position. But a party whose MPs who see nothing wrong in culling the residents of care homes, malnourishing children and forcing the poor to pay in order to vote, is unlikely to contain many who'd question a decision to watch spaffing it up the wall six, spunking the majority while they were at work. Two female Tory witnesses have questioned it. All male Tories asked by journalists have deplored it. And with voters now asking their MP to confirm it wasn't them, the identity of which Tory wants his wick tickled while running the country will probably be public within days. Cue much harumphing from all sides about how anyone can be watching filth while debating or voting on issues that affect the nation. A job which so many senior Tories tell us requires a level of expertise and dedication that they should be paid the same six-figure sums earned by GPs. The thing is, lads, GPs tend to look at and listen to the patient before saving their lives or calming their fears. And when a doctor gets caught watching porn at work, they're reported to police, get fired and face being struck off. What doesn't generally happen to anyone discovered playing whack-a-mole with himself in any other place of work is the silence of their colleagues or the protection of an investigatory body so unfit for purpose that it probably knows less about what happened than your average lobby journalist, and will take years to achieve a very unsatisfactory release. But then, the guys in this blue movie are a different breed. They see nothing wrong with treating the front bench like a post-brandy chaise long they're happy to watch their leader lie, lie about lying, and then try to lie his way out of the lies by sending other people out to repeat them for him so that lying becomes more normal. To the Tories, food banks are just giving free stuff to scroungers, school dinners are a luxury, and the right to vote must be inextricably linked to the ability to purchase a passport, 75 pounds, driving license, 43 pounds, or the ability to find out about and apply for free voter cards from the local council, which you'll need, guess what, a passport or driving license. Should we make poor people in the north spend more on social care? Why not? They leer. We blew the migrants' dog whistle and closed the channel tunnel route despite being told it would increase small boat crossings. Let's send boat people to Rwanda, they belch, while tucking another £10,000 in the garter of a people trafficker. Let's strip people of citizenship and cripple judicial review. In fact, let's just cripple all lawyers in general, in case they find we're being illegal again. What larks, they gasp, while voting to zip protesters' mouths shut with the gimp mask of law enforcement. If the entire Tory party can see all that sordid unpleasantness unfold with barely any dissent, then of course they could watch oily, capitalistic couplings with so little emotion that few notice it in the middle of a live-streamed House of Commons. The really shocking part is that there's only one of them sociopathic enough to do so. Anyone who can do that without even raising his eyebrow has probably seen so much filth that he struggles to harden his resolve over anything, especially the stuff that's morally questionable. A cynic, therefore, might expect his identity lies among those who have supported the ickiest laws with the most disgusting content without a flicker of human feeling. Trouble is, That doesn't narrow it down much. But there's your problem. When all we know is that he lacks morals, manners and respect for basic norms about what is socially acceptable in the workplace, then the right ownable member for Hand Shandy could be just about any of them. Heck, it could be Larry the Downing Street cat. And when it is possible to make a sweeping but entirely accurate generalisation about the ruling party that it shares the sexual characteristics of a particularly entitled feline, then, with all due respect to cat fans, you basically have a government that shits in everyone's flower bed but its own. Pervgate is just more bread and circuses, an inevitable symptom of the end times of a ruling elite without the self-awareness to spot its own decline. There are many decent members on the Tory backbenches and were they to properly clean up the messes created by the indecent ones, then perhaps, just perhaps, they won't get thoroughly shafted over the ballot box.